most of you know, or some of you perhaps know, that I'm not a big believer in taking a secular holiday and making it something that um, we follow in the church. Does it make sense? So if Valentine's Day is on a Sunday, then sometimes people believe that we ought to speak about Valentine's Day. And uh, I realize that Valentine's Day was based upon St. Valentine, but it's a secular holiday. Um, Mother's Day, we celebrate our mothers, we celebrate our grandmothers. We did that a couple of weeks, last week, two weeks ago. Um, we should celebrate them all the time, and yet sometimes we make them those, those services more than what they should be. Father's Day is coming up, and we celebrate our fathers and our grandfathers and those people that have impacted our lives and, 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 and showed us what it means to have a legacy and, and live a legacy. And yet sometimes we make them more than what they should, at least in regards to a worship service. I'm not a big believer in, in, in secular holidays taking over what Christianity really is. Does that make sense? Easter, anybody? Right? Easter is not about these little nasty peeps you can buy in the store, right? Uh, or Christmas, right? We have this big debate about keep Christ in Christmas. I'm, I'm saying all that to say Memorial Day for me is a little bit different. Um, and I hope over the next couple of minutes to show you why Memorial Day is a little bit different. First of all, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a veteran. I, I served. I bleed red, white, and blue. But I go back to what a seminary professor told me years ago when he described a fellowship dinner, a fellowship hall. And he said, we went into the fellowship hall, and I had a real problem in a church setting, a fellowship hall, right? We're gathering to worship Christ. And at each place setting was a placard, a card that said, uh, the American soldier, one who gave everything. There's some truth to that, right? I mean, we celebrate what the American soldier does. Mickey just mentioned it for us a few minutes ago. We, we have the ability to come here and, and in a safe place be able to worship. What gives, me, what gives me some heartburn about that is we equate what the American soldier did or does with what Christ has done. Follow what I'm saying? Does it make sense? The American soldier will never add up to what Jesus Christ has done. Right? So let's, let's appreciate the secular holiday. Let's appreciate what Jesus Christ has done. Or let's appreciate the secular holiday. Let's allow Memorial Day to become what Memorial Day should be, not just uh, a Monday in May. Every day of our lives, right? Every time we gather around this table and we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, that should be Memorial Day. Why do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? We celebrate birthdays, right? Um. Just recently, we had our second grandchild, and um, after a lengthy labor, I remember my daughter saying uh, when she was asked by the hospital personnel, it's no longer about my birthday, it's about her birthday, <laughs> right? So having to remember now the baby's birthday. We celebrate birthdays. 
birthday celebrations are fun, right? When we gather around a cake and we uh, make a wish, according to tradition, and we blow out the candles. And um, birthday celebrations are fun, right? We celebrate anniversaries. Some of you have celebrated some pretty, pretty big anniversaries, I would say, right? We're coming up on our 25th. Um, some of you have celebrated 50. Anybody get 50? Yeah, 45. I know some of you around 40, 45, right? Anniversaries. I, I love. Uh, those are fewer and far between in our society today, right? Uh, I love to celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate graduations. This is a time of year where I was talking with somebody earlier today. I think it was Michelle that said, hey, we're, we're going to be out of pocket next weekend because somebody is celebrating a, uh, a graduation, graduation time, right? Dottie has a grandson. Dottie and Ron have a grandson uh, graduating this. We celebrate graduations. What a, what a great, I, I hate graduations, by the way, right? I like the parties afterwards. It's the going through the names. Uh, I'm like, oh, can we just get it over with, right? And I know every graduate, if you've been there before, you're like, every graduate's the same. Well, just let me throw my cap in the air, right? Let's celebrate, right? Graduations are fun. We celebrate retirements, don't we? We celebrate retirements. We celebrate 35 years of service. And if Jay was here, I'd say we celebrate retirements. And, and those of you who have retired and have served for so long, we, we know how important that is. We celebrate the the loyalty, the devotion, we, we celebrate retirements. We celebrate life, even after uh, a death. I was thinking about the Deptula family. And uh, 41 years old, young man. Um, but as the scripture says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We celebrate a life because this life will continue on into eternity, right? And so we celebrate even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of an accident, even in the midst of grief, we celebrate. We celebrate by doing what we do every Sunday, by communion meditations, by doing what God has called us to do as a church. Every time we gather, we celebrate what God has done. We, we celebrate when people get in the baptistry and and they have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And as we, as we bury them, so to speak, as we symbolize, we, we bury them in Christ and we raise them up to walk in a newness of life. We celebrate, right? We celebrate, we celebrate baptisms. I love to celebrate. I love to celebrate who God is. I want to share with you just a couple of verses here before we get to Deuteronomy chapter 27. But... Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. This is, a first, this is one of the first early hymns of the church. And Paul is, if you will, calling the church uh, to remember what Jesus Christ has done for them. In chapter 1 of Colossians, verses 15 and following, he says, He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, for by Jesus... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. 
He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. That sounds like a pretty big deal, right? And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. One of the early hymns, church. Paul calling the church in Colossae and abroad. If you don't know, in the early church, they didn't have scripture like as we have scripture. And so one of the ways they encouraged one another to celebrate, one of the ways they acknowledged who God was, is to recite these hymns over and over and over again. So you might picture yourself as you walk along the road and you run across another believer in Jesus Christ and reciting this hymn about who Jesus is, a celebration of what God has done for us through Jesus. Amen? Perhaps it's what we would call their Memorial Day, remembering what Jesus did on the cross. What about this hymn from Philippians chapter 2? Most of you have heard Philippians chapter 2, and Maybe some of you have even memorized it, but listen to what Paul says to the church in Philippi. Have this mind among yourselves, he says in verse 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Is that a reason to celebrate? Yeah, he became the word is what the Gospel of John would say, right? He emptied himself. That's, That's great news. If God never emptied himself, if Jesus had never emptied himself, we would not have a reason to gather around this table and to remember this do in remembrance of me. We wouldn't have a reason to celebrate, would we? But God emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself, it says. Taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. How many of you saw The Passion of the Christ? Mel Gibson movie several years ago? Right. What a great, what a great movie. Uh, and yet it's hard for me to watch especially the graphic. And you understand the crucifixion is graphic. You understand that beating somebody 39 times, whipping them, causing the the flesh to tear, the blood to be spilled, right? That's a pretty graphic part of the movie. Mel Gibson was interviewed about that movie and said, we wanted to make it as realistic as possible. But they did a pretty good job with it becoming graphic. Some of you just turn your head, right? You just don't want to see that anymore, right? Because we don't like to think of our Lord and our Savior being whipped 39 times. I remember the blood just flying across the screen. Or the crown of thorns being placed on his head. Or them putting a purple robe around his, his neck and, and beating him, telling 
telling him to prophesy. The blasphemy that went on. And yet Jesus Christ could hang on the cross the most brutal death you could ever imagine. I'll read it here in just a second for you. And say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Remember, Paul says he emptied himself. As you're walking along the way and you run across another believer and you don't have scripture, you don't have a leather-bound ESV or KJV or NRSV or whatever translation you use, you don't have that, but what you do have is you've been reciting this every time you went to vacation Bible study, every time you went to worship, every time you went to a house church. You were it was indoctrinated into the very soul of who you are, at the very the core of who you are, right? You knew these these hymns, and when it came to being thinking about the cross, there was no passion of the Christ back then, except they could recite to one another, he emptied himself. And let me tell you what that looked like. He became obedient, even to death, the most brutal death you can imagine. And he went to the cross. Verse 9 goes on to say, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Have you read Revelation? So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Church, the reason that we ask people when they walk down and make a profession of faith, the reason that we ask them to recite after us only if they believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one sent from God, the anointed one. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe that he wants to be the Lord of my life, and I give up my reins. I give up control and let him be the master of my life. That's the struggle, isn't it not? Struggle between flesh and spirit. But here it says that we will all confess Jesus Christ is Lord, whether we do that on our own or whether we're forced to do that. To the glory of God the Father. I love that old hymn. What a great hymn that is. And finally, from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Surely you found it by now. Deuteronomy chapter 27. In case you don't think that's just New Testament stuff, right? It's Paul talking to the churches in Colossae or or Philippi. I want you to think about how you celebrate, why you celebrate. It's not just a Thursday in November when we gather around and somebody carves a turkey and we pass the dressing and we thank God for uh, the harvest, right? It's much more than that. Memorial Day should be every day of our lives, believers, right? It should be acknowledging who Jesus Christ is. This, for those of you who don't know, are the Israelites as they've left bondage and they're on their way to the promised land. And before they get to the promised land, they've been given the law of God. They've been given their marching orders. They've been given their job description. They've been told what is expected of them as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. Do you like job descriptions? Yes? I like job descriptions because the only way that I can be evaluated is to have a job description, right? The only way that you can be evaluated to see how good you're doing is to have some kind of expectations, right? 
Well, guess what? We have job descriptions as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has, has laid it out for us what it means to follow God. He's told us. He showed us, more importantly, what it means to be follower of Jesus Christ. The Israelites in the Old Testament, though, were told this is what God expects. You may think of Leviticus 11.44 where God says, Be holy, because I'm holy. Later on, it's quoted in the New Testament in Peter, right? Be ho- this is your expectation, follower of Jesus Christ. Not just to walk down the aisle, not just to say a quote-unquote sinner's prayer, not just to say a few words, not just to get in the baptistry and then go about your business, but here are the expectations. Now, sadly, and all too often, most of us don't like expectations. Most of us don't like responsibilities. We want to receive. Remember we've talked in recent weeks about this consumeristic idea. We want to receive. We want to receive. I was just talking with somebody this past week. How sad is it that we'll get in a line and receive free things, even though we don't need free things, and then as soon as those free things are given to us, we move to the next line, and we receive free things. Was it you and I talking Monday about that? We receive just because we live in such a consumeristic society. When we receive the free gift of God, church, when we receive the that's given to us through Jesus Christ, it's not just about moving to the next line. It's a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be holy because God is holy. We are to be the ecclesia, the called out ones, the set apart ones. We have a responsibility to the world. Jesus said it this way, you are the light of the world. And the world's a dark place, is it not? You are the light of the world. You're supposed to shine a light in a dark world. You are the salt of the earth, church. But if the salt loses its saltiness, or one translation says, if the salt becomes insipid, if it's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I wish that you would be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Do you hide it under a bushel? You know the song. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? Let it shine, let it shine. You are the salt of the earth. You are that which preserves that which is good. But are we? Are we the called out ones? Are we different than the rest of the world? Or do we just gather on a Sunday and go through the motions? Are we a country club that meets on a Sunday at 1030, 1045? We're no different. I hope that's not the case. So Moses has been given the law by God here in Deuteronomy. You might remember from chapter 6 in Deuteronomy where Moses says, Hear, O Israel. In the New Testament, it might say, Behold, right? Look. But in the Old Testament, it says, Hear, right? Listen up. Here's your responsibility. Here's your marching order. Here's what's expected of you, church, right? Hear. Listen up. Here it comes. Hear, O Israel. 
The Lord our God is one. That's the Shema passage. That's, that's what begins the law. And you know whether you're, you like a list or you like a narrative, right? You know what's coming next is pretty important, right? And he goes through all these things that God expects for us. Now, I'll grant you, the Pharisees, the, the people of the, the law, took those things and they manipulated them just to make them religious. That was never God's intent. In other words, God's, God's intent of giving us the Ten Commandments was not to put us in bondage. Do you understand that? God's intent to give us the Ten Commandments is not to say no. The Ten Commandments are to free us. God's law, as God declared the law through Moses, was to free us. It was to protect us. It was to allow us to be the light. It was to allow us to be the salt. So as Moses says, Listen up. Here's God's expectations. And He gives the law. But God knows how forgetful we are, right? God knows we receive and then we forget. And then we receive. That's one of the, this is one of the greatest blessings for me every week. We celebrate what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We receive. And then we forget. Then we receive. And then we forget. Right? You're like, what? What are you talking about? You, re you receive, right? You receive the grace. You've been saved by grace through faith, right? This is not of yourselves. You know the Ephesians 2 text, right? You receive by grace through faith, right? You receive, you celebrate what Jesus Christ, or at least you should celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for you on a weekly basis. Every time you gather is what the church says. On a weekly basis, we allow you or we hope that you receive you celebrate with us what Jesus Christ has done for us. Right? Right? And before you, before you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, guess what? You will forget and you will sin. So will I. And then we receive grace. And then we forget. And then we receive. That's why the Word says that God is long-suffering, Right? I understand he's patient, and I get what patient means, but the translation for me that makes the most impact upon my life is when I look in the mirror, I think, oh, God, you are long. You are long suffering. Right? Because I forget. I forget. And God continues to love and declare to us our responsibilities, the expectations, what it means to be his people. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. 
don't don't forget. Do, do everything in your power to remember what you've agreed to do. You are God's people. believe. On the day that you cross over the Jordan, and remember, we're going from the Exodus, we're going into the Promised Land, right? For us as New Testament believers, that would be from the Old to the New, right? New covenants being established, right? The old man is dying, the new man is coming to life, right? From the time that you accept Jesus Christ, you are a new creator or creation. This is your promised land as you receive Jesus Christ. It says, on the day that you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. Why would you set up large stones and plaster them with plaster? You shall write on them all the words of this law. When you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. Do, do any of you write your prayers down? Anybody? Some of you some of you do. I've never been really good at that. I've never been really good at recording my prayers, but I think there's some benefit to that. I remember going to a seminar and this guy saying, man, this is, this is it, right? I, I found the secret. And he describes to us what he does. He, he writes his prayers down, and then off to the side, he also notices how God has answered those prayers, and he makes a note and he gives the date and things of that sort. And I've I've been good at that sometime and not so good at others. It's like this ebb and flow in my life, the spiritual. Some of you, some of you are really good at that, I suppose. But I've never. I think I think there's some benefit to that, though. Maybe you don't have to write them down. Maybe you can just make a mental notation of saying, "Yeah, look where God." has done something good out of that tragedy, right? The Deptula family, that's, that's on everybody's heart right now, right? Tragic situation on Wednesday. Tragic situation where a 41-year-old loses their life. But can God make something good out of that situation? Of course He can. He does it all the time, right? Now, if you're in the middle of the storm, if you've just lost your son or your husband or your father or your uncle, it's a little bit harder to see. But we're on the outside looking in, and we've all experienced how God has never left us, has never forsaken us. He's always been there. He's always been faithful. My friend, Mr. George over here, can always, when I shake his hand and greet him, he can say, it's all because of God. It's all because of God. God is good. God is faithful. God is good. God is faithful. And I'm so blessed by that, because that's true. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what tragedy is happening, no matter what what circumstance is going on. That's one reason we celebrate Memorial Day. Sometimes we need to make note of those things. Sometimes we need to write them down. Sometimes we need to acknowledge them on our heads. Sometimes we need to speak about those things. Let me tell you how good God is. It's not just for that other person. But it's also to acknowledge God's faithfulness in our life. Verse 4, when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones. Why? Because we forget. It's one thing to be led out of bondage. It's another thing, once we get to the promised land, to say, look what we've done. No, it's not about what we've done. It's about what God has done, right? Right? 
When you crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal, and you shall plaster them with plaster. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. And you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Why all this? Why did God expect all these things? You shall sacrifice peace offerings, and you shall eat there, and you shall rejoice. It's another word for celebrate, right? You shall rejoice... For the Lord your God. It's not just about singing songs, right, Kim? It's not just about coming together at 1045 and saying, can we just get through these songs so we can get to something else? No, you have an opportunity to worship. It's not just somebody getting up here and harassing you about your money. No, you have an opportunity to worship. It's not opening up the Word and reading words off a page. No, you... You have the opportunity to worship. You shall write on the stones all the words of... Listen to this verse, verse 8. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. You shall write on these stones all the words of the law very plainly. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law... But you know what? I can't memorize Scripture. Of course you can You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. I mentioned to you several times the last several months, and I'll mention it again this morning. My prayer has been that you will love God's word more than anything else. When it means, when we talk about loving God, loving people, loving by going, you can't really love by going unless you love people. You can't really love people unless you love God. Now show me what it means to love God, and I'll show you somebody who loves his word. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just words on a page. It's God's holy word. We have God's word. We have the old acronym is basic instructions before leaving earth, right? We have God's very word right here. Should we not love God's word, follower of Jesus, right? Yes, we should love God's word. I think that verse 8 is so important. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. You as a teacher will know. You can tell your students one thing, and they may get it, they may not. If they're auditory learners, they may get it. But if they're not auditory learners, guess what? They probably don't get it. And so how do you confirm that teaching? You say, well, here's what I want you to know, but you don't stop there, right? You say, write it down. And then maybe a third way is, you speak it. Right? The idea of loving God and, and acknowledging who God is. I, I think it's important. I think there are three things that I want to point out to you this morning. First of all, as, as we think about Memorial Day and not just the sol American soldier, please understand Memorial Day. When I talk about Memorial Day, I'm talking about what Jesus Christ has done for us. What God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Every time we gather around this table and we remember what Jesus Christ, it's, a, it's an opportunity for memorial. And you don't have to do that here. I understand that. You can do that on a Monday or Tuesday. There's nothing special about a, having communion on a Sunday or a Tuesday. And what I mean by that is, is, is you don't have to be here to celebrate communion. You could be elsewhere and celebrate communion. But it's remembering, right? Isn't that the most important thing? Remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ? 
That's what Paul tells the church in Colossae. That's what he tells the church in, in Philippi. And that's exactly why God tells the Israelites to do what he does here as they cross over to the promised land. Remember what God has done for you. He's led you out of bondage. You were there 400 years. And although you've grumbled, although you complained against your leaders, Moses and Aaron, and although that you think you have to have quail and meat, and you got tired of that, and so God provided you something else, God's really been long-suffering. You understand that? He's really been patient with you. He hasn't destroyed you like he should have a long time ago. Remember. Remember what God, remember his faithfulness, George, right? Remember his goodness. Number two, once you remember his goodness, once you remember what God has done for us, wouldn't it cause you to worship? Not just go through the motions? Not just sing a few songs? Not just give... 10%, but give 100%? Wouldn't it cause you to worship? The old English term worship comes from worth-ship. What do you value? Our society, we worship that which is created. You hear what I'm saying? We live in a very materialistic world, and so we worship that which is created. Idolatry has always been sin. Idolatry has always led us away from the Creator. Let's make sure when we remember what God has done, that we worship Him for what He has done. Amen? Not only do we remember, not only do we worship, but we also get to choose. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, some of you have this verse hanging in your house. Choose this day whom you will serve. Oh, we'll serve, we'll serve God with all our hearts, the Israelites say. And Joshua says, no, I know who you are. More importantly, God knows who you are. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day your priorities. You have an opportunity to choose whether you will worship or you will stay at home and barbecue, right? You will worship or you will have every excuse. And I guarantee you, Satan is alive and well, and he will provide every excuse. You don't need to make excuses. You're given every excuse by Satan. You just confirm what he already says, right? Right? He tries to give you every excuse of why you shouldn't be here, why you shouldn't gather with your family around this table, why you're a victim. Satan tries all different ways to divide you from God and to divide you from everybody else, right? And all too often, church, listen, all too often he's successful. Why? Because we don't choose well. And we don't choose well because we're not in a, a frame of worship. You understand what I'm saying? If we, listen, if we remember what God has done and we worship God for what he has done, then our choices come a whole lot easier. The problem is we don't choose well because we're not in the frame of worship because we don't remember what God has done. Right? Yes! There's an old hymn. Let me finish with this. There's an old hymn. 
We only sing it around Thanksgiving. What a shame. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Why would I do that? For the same reason that God asked you to write down the law on these stones? But the same reason that God asked you to reflect on how good He is? Count your blessings. Oh, I don't really feel like counting my blessings. I'm in the middle of a storm. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what storm is out there. You should count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. You see what is, what's going on? Right? You, you count your blessings. You choose to count your blessings no matter what's going on. Because you choose to worship. And you worship because what God has done. You remember what God has done. Nothing we can offer, church. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do. Memorial Day is all about recognizing what God has done. Therefore, you should worship. Therefore, you should choose to count your blessings. May it be so.